Redemption Church family. It's good to see you. Uh, hey, if you got a Bible, go on and open up to Exodus chapter 20. That's where we'll be. Uh, we'll do our best to have the, the scriptures on the screen if, if you don't have one, a copy of God's Word. But, um, and if you read the Bible at any length, there's going to be a few names that are going to stand out to you. One in particular is the name Moses. If you've read the Bible again at any length, you've run across this guy. In fact, there's only two people that are mentioned more than Moses in the Bible, and that's Jesus, and that's King David. And so Moses talked about a whole lot. He's the one who was used by God uh, to bring the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. God parts the Red Sea for them, and Moses leads God's people through there, and then God brings the water's crashing back on his, his enemies, and they make their path from the Red Sea to a place called Sinai, this mountain. The Bible ex- explains it as a mountain. Um, but they're not just at any mountain. It's actually a really, really important mountain because it was earlier in the story where God originally met with Moses. God met with him, if you've heard the story of a burning bush. Yes, God spoke through a burning bush to this man. And it was there that God said, hey, Here's how you know that this is all me and nothing you're doing. I'm going to bring you back to this place. At this point, Moses was just a shepherd in the, in hanging out outside of Egypt. And Moses said, I'm going to bring you back to this place, and all the people of God are going to be with you. And that's exactly what we see happen. It's where the whole plan started, right here at Sinai. And now God's led them through, and they're back here. God's plan is unfolding just as he said. And what's interesting is they're about to spend about 40 years wandering, just struggling, just trying to make it in the wilderness, trying to survive as they make their way back to the promised land of Canaan that God had, which is the real prize of God's promise. Um, but this is a pit stop, a really, really, really important pit stop. Um, and it's a pretty cool reminder of God's faithfulness. And it's here that God provides Israel with ten very clear words, ten very clear statements that Israel is to live by. These statements are going to outline what it looks like to be a worshiper of the one true God, how this newly birthed nation is supposed to live in relation to God and to one another And we call them the Ten Commandments. If you didn't answer, you don't get water when you leave, okay? Only if you answer do you get free water and snacks when you leave, okay? No. Um, But we get this, the Ten Commandments. And the fourth one is what we're going to hone in on today because of this study that we're doing called Sabbath, taking rest back from the world. And what we're going to see is that In the fourth command is the longest explanation of all ten. So I want to read this fourth command that's given, this fourth word that God gives. I'm going to pray, and then we'll come back and and walk through this. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Let me pray for us. Father God, we we come before you, um, God, just humbly asking you to speak, um, God, we ask you to to move in our midst. God, stir in our hearts. 
And God, may we hear your word today and understand it through the work of your spirit in us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this is one of the Ten Commandments. Now here's the deal. We have a weird relationship with these Ten Commandments. Uh, Man, when I was a kid, uh, I felt like the Ten Commandments were everywhere. I'm pretty sure I've been in like a Burger King or something when I was a kid, like where they were on the wall. I thought they used to be everywhere. You remember the, uh, but then at some point it became a controversy, right? Uh, You had Roy Moore. Y'all remember that? Roy Moore battling to keep the Ten Commandments in this courtroom. You know how long ago that was? 22 years. And I know some of y'all aren't even that old, but like that makes me feel really old because I would have thought that was 10 years ago, but that was 22 years ago. So I'm old. Um, but also, so, so that's like something that has happened in, you know, 22 years ago, but I told you guys, I mentioned on Easter, just an update on this. And again, uh, this is something that happened out in Texas, right? Like this coming fall, they've passed a bill. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of discussion and arguments and and court cases and all this stuff, but all public schools in Texas are going to be required to actually put the Ten Commandments in their classrooms uh, in the public schools, which I don't know how in the world they pulled that off, and I'm sure it'll be a hard battle over the next few months. But um, but that actually was just passed, I think, this past week or maybe the week before. Um, but but it's, it's what we know from human history, uh, what we know from human history is that simply knowing the expectations of God is not going to change our hearts. It's actually what we believe. It's actually the very core of our belief that even if I have the laws before me, what I need is a heart change. What I need is God to change me from the inside, and then I can begin to live for him. And so we often treat the Ten Commandments um, as if they're a moral code for, for given for all of humanity. But, um, but what I want, I want to argue today is that is that there were, there were 613 laws given in the first five books of the Bible, 613 laws, and the other 603 we don't even know, we don't even care about oftentimes. And so what, what we treat these 10 differently, and there is something special and unique about them for sure, but we are not ancient Israel. These are not our laws because, the, as we'll talk about more next week, God has actually set us free from the law. I love the Ten Commandments. Don't, get, don't throw stuff at me. I think they are great, but they are not law for us. But listen, this is important. While they are not law for us, they are wisdom for us. Really important distinction. The Ten Commandments, while they are not law for us, they are wisdom for us. They provide a window into how broken humanity is and how big our God is. We are not called to keep the law. We are called to meditate on the law. We are called to study, to dwell, to learn from the law. Because within the law, and this law in particular, is actually a really, really great truth. And it has nothing to do with me and you. It's all about God. And so what we see through this whole section of the story is that God was commanding the Israelites to Sabbath. We talked about that last week, the word Shabbat. He was teaching them to cease working. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Stop working. But then also, remember the other word? It's test time. Anybody remember the other Hebrew word we learned last week? I don't know. Niwach. Yeah, there you go. So, but it's that word rest, right? So what we saw is that not only the Sabbath was more for the Israelites, it was more than just stop working. It was rest and be present, right? So we're going to kind of take that and continue through this today because 
Uh, some of you have asked questions and stuff like that, like, hey, so, so we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday, right? And we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. But oftentimes what we think as Christians, we go, okay, well, we, we keep the Sabbath by coming to church. But what I want to show you today from the scriptures is that there are actually, there's a lot, but I'm going to kind of narrow it down to three key principles. If you want to know in your life, does your rest, does your, what you're doing now to rest, does it actually look like what God wants it to look like? Here's three key principles. The first one is this. The Sabbath is about knowing God. It's about understanding who He is. Because as God begins to give this list of ten important words in the book of Exodus, there to be an introduction and almost maybe a summation of the other 603 that He's about to give. He actually begins with a really intense reminder. Look at uh, the beginning of Exodus 20 with me. God spoke all these words. I... The Lord, your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Now, that's a strong way to start. It's a strong way to start. Um, very similar to how I have to do with my children sometimes. Um, there are some times where I know if you're a parent in the room, this probably doesn't happen to you. But uh, to me, sometimes my children don't do what I ask them to do. And it's in that moment where I have to, I know you're shocked, I have to remind them God in his infinite wisdom called me and your mama to be in charge. So I'm not speaking with my own authority. I'm not speaking with an authority that their Papa Joe and Gigi gave me. I'm speaking with an authority that God gave me. Go clean your room, right? You see that? Like, I ha like, it's important for them to know in that moment the authority that I have. That's what God's doing here. God, before he gives these Ten Commandments that are going to be intense, like they're going to be, some of them are pretty hard, and it's going to be difficult to keep. God reminds them on the front end. Before we get going, let me remind you of who I am. He says, I am the Lord your God. I mean, when you look at that in your Bible, I said this in the first service, and I didn't catch any flight for it, so we'll say it in the second service too. If, you're, if you look in your Bible, in Exodus 20, verse 2, if the word LORD is not in all caps, donate that sucker somewhere. I don't know you have to throw it away, but donate it and go buy another one. Go buy a different translation that has the word LORD in all caps because that's an important distinction for us. When we're reading the Old Testament, it was originally written in Hebrew. And so like the word LORD there, when it's in all caps, come, it's, it's showing us that what the Bible is actually saying is the Hebrew word Yahweh. This was the God that, that had told Moses um, that this, this was my name back at Sinai the first time when he was speaking from the burning bush. This was the name that would set God apart from all the other gods around. This was his own unique name. The word God you see there uh, right after that, um, that's another word that's just a general word like we use the word God. Like all, you know, it can be used as a little g God or it can refer to false gods. It can do all of that. But the word Yahweh is set aside it's to set God apart. And so God's beginning this list of commands by putting his name at the top of it. And then he updates his resume right in front of him. There's a, I'm the Lord your God. And in case you forgot what I've done for you, I rescued you from the land of Egypt. So I brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
We're just a couple months removed from the events of, of, the, of the, the plagues and then the parting of the Red Sea. And God says, remember me? The guy, remember the Red Sea, the whole thing? That was me. That was me. And then he adds another phrase, out of the place of slavery. You remember how bad it stunk being in that place? You remember what all you had to go through? You remember the slavery? Remember all that? Remember, that's me. I am the one who pulled you out. Now, he says, listen to what I got to say. All these things I've done, now listen to what I have to say. I've saved you. I've rescued you. Listen to my voice. These commands are given in that light. Oftentimes we come to the Ten Commandments and we just look at them as a checklist, but they're really showing us God is coming at the very beginning of it and showing it this is all about knowing me. But when we get to what I read earlier, the Sabbath command, the fourth command, God gives another picture of himself. While the rescuer image of God was certainly fresh on their minds because it was recent, the self-portrait that he gives in the Sabbath command is ancient. Not only to us, but to them, yet still very powerful. Look back at it, verse 11. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. We talked about it last week, so if you weren't here, you can go back and check that out online or something. But in the story of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, God sets up the Sabbath by Sabbathing himself. He sets up the Sabbath by Sabbathing himself. He completed his work in six days, and then he rested on the seventh. And God is reminding his people here, not only am I your rescuer, I am your creator. So yeah, I would listen to me. But also, I did this too. Like God's also saying, I rested after the work of my creation. I rested, so you need to rest as well. And God was making sure that the Israelites knew that this command was important for them to keep. Because it gets so much more discussion than the others. That's something I've never paid attention to. The Sabbath command gets like, I read it earlier. It was those several verses and it was a paragraph. Look at verses 13 through 16. Same number of verses. Do not murder. No explanation. No further conversation. Just don't do it. Do not commit adultery. No explanation, don't do it. Don't steal, don't lie, right? Just don't. But the Sabbath gets a whole paragraph. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm, if I'm speaking the Ten Commandments, I'm focusing a little bit on the murder one. Like, I want to make sure you got it. Everybody know what that means? Everybody know what that word means, because that's going to be really important if you're going to hang around with me. If you're going to be in my circle, I need to know that we're all grasping that. And I could do the others, but... Second one will get a little awkward, so I won't do that. But uh, the same thing, like, I, like I, would, I would expound on each of those a little bit more. But in the Ten Commandments, we just get those. Listen, why? Because the focus, the, the intensity, the, 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 the beauty of the fourth command is something that you and I miss because we live in a culture that downplays the idea of rest. And it shows but God was calling Israel to be different because he, their God, was different. So yeah, he doesn't focus on, because you know what else is in a lot of other ancient law codes? Do not murder. 
don't commit adultery. Like those things are in other law codes, but you know the one that's not in any of those is rest in me. Like that's not in there. This is one that was to set them apart. It was the, it was to be it was to have them to look different from all the other religions that existed at this time. God called them to set one day aside as holy. What I've never paid attention to until this week of studying though is so we talked about last week, God has already shown them like how to Sabbath because he did it in the very beginning. But by the time he gets to Mount Sinai and he tells Moses, like, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, he's actually already f- forced it upon Israel. He's already made them Sabbath. And I want to show you what that looks like because this is point number two, principle number two. The Sabbath is about trusting God. It's about trusting God. So we got to flash back a little bit to Exodus 15 and 16 before we get, so we're through the Red Sea, but we haven't yet made it to Mount Sinai. And they're in the wilderness. And like wilderness, I don't know what you think about. Um, like maybe you picture the woods behind your house, something like that. Like I like walking through the woods. I like going hiking at Montesano. I like hiking those trails. But you know what I could always do? I can come back to the trailhead and I can get in my car and I can find a burger. Right? If I get hungry, I can stop where I am, turn around and go back, and I'm out. Like I'm gonna go give me a give me a sandwich somewhere. So when we think about wilderness, just remember that we have a group of people who are not bear grills. They are not, you know, whatever other I don't know anybody else, but bear grills, like survival person, right? Some of you are laughing because you know a bunch. But they're not that. They've been in slavery, yes, but like they've been given food. They were, they were slaves in the richest empire, the biggest, richest empire in the world at this point. They had all the food that they needed. They were just, they were being forced to work. They never had to worry about their meals. And here, now they're in the wilderness with nothing. There's no glow of the magic M, McDonald's. It's not there. So God, what we see is that, man, God has to step in. Like God has to step in to keep them alive. They're heading out, and guess what? The, the rations that we got from Egypt start running out real quick, and God provides water. They're in the wild. It's dangerous. They run out of food and water, and so God provides water for them. And, and just this is just a freebie. This has nothing to do with Sabbath rest. But do y'all know how God provided, not the rock one, so don't say that. Do you know how God provided clean water for them? They ran across, they, they ran across a, a, like a dingy like pond with no inlet or outlet kind of thing. So it was funky. Stanky, we'll get there in a second. Moses sees a tree and he takes the tree and he throws it in the water. And the water turns into Dasani. That's a bottle of water. Y'all know this, right? Okay. Thank you, Kathy. You're nodding along. All right. Um, that's the Hebrew word for water in the Old Testament. But like that's that's what happens. So now they go and they're just scooping up clean water. This is the way God's providing for them. And so then, yeah, now we've got clean water and we're loading up on that and it's awesome. And so now we've got this little bit of sustenance, but they end up saying to Moses, hey, we had all the food we wanted in Egypt. Now we've got water, but what about food? They actually mentioned meat and bread. 
man, when we were there, why would God rescue us and, and, and only to kill us out here in the wilderness? We had meat and bread without end in Egypt. And as a way to show them that God was going to protect them better than their Egyptian owners ever did, God provides those two things for them. He provides quail that evening. I don't know how you feel about game bird, but there wasn't a lot of game in this one. It just showed up. Like there's just, you don't have to hunt for it. Um, the Bible says that that evening that God brings quail in, that quail just is, is, is flying like crazy from all over the region to come and to provide itself for God's people. In a miraculous way, God provides meat. But then we get to the bread, which is where we wanted to get to, the focus that God provides here. Exodus 16, verses 4 and 5. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So we get a little bit more as we get into verse 16. Moses begins to relay this information to the people. He says, gather as much of this bread from heaven, this rain bread, as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot, some a little. And when they measured it by quarts, the person who gathered a lot had no surplus, and the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. Moses said to them, No one is to let any of it remain until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some people left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. Y'all didn't laugh at that one. The first service laughed when I said stank, and that's why Trey threw it out earlier. Um, it's a funny word for some reason. Um, but therefore, Moses was angry with them. Now, if you're wondering what in the world, what did this rain bread look like? The Israelites didn't know what it was either. Okay, that's why it was called manna. You'll see that here in just a second, but it's the word manna. It literally means, huh? Well, what is this? Like, what is this? This is what happens when I cook for Kelly. <laughs> she goes, huh? What am I looking at? What is this here? Um, but th- this is what it. This is what it was. It was. It was what. It was manna, and we get a little bit of a description of what it looked like in verse thirty-one of chapter sixteen. The house of Israel named the substance manna. There it is. It resembled coriander seed. I know all of you cook with coriander seed. I'm sure. All right, I don't. Uh, but it was white, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. It's from the scriptures, not me. Honey roasted honey nut Cheerios. That's. That's what I drew from it. Uh, that's me again. That's not the Bible. That's not a Hebrew word. Not even, uh, It's probably close, okay? But this is what we've been working towards. Verse 21. Here we go. The people gathered it every morning. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. But when the sun grew hot, it just melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, four quarts apiece. And all the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He told them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, and set everything left over to be kept until morning. So they set it aside until morning as Moses commanded, and it didn't stink or have maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you won't find any of the sky bread in the field. For six days you will gather it, 
But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Yet on the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they did not find any. You see in this. Remember, this is, this is before the command to Shabbat or Sabbath has ever been given. And God's already showing them what it's going to look like. He's already showing them this really important principle of trust. What is all of this contingent on? How is it that they're going to be able to wake up on the seventh day? How are they going to be able to wake up on the seventh day and not be without food? What do the Israelites have to believe about God to be obedient to this crazy plan? They have to believe that God will provide. You see, a level-headed person says, I tell you what, that's a lot of Cheerios out there. I'm going to get a few more. Because if I get extra today on the second day of the week, then guess what I don't have to do in the morning? Get up early. Because who likes that? And so I'm going to get some extra. Or I can sell them to my neighbor who sleeps in, make a little cashish. But that backfires and it stinks up the whole house. They have to have a certain amount of trust that each morning God was going to provide the same substance on the ground when they got up. And every seventh day, can you imagine the first week of this? They're going to bed, at, they're going to bed on the sixth day and they're looking at that two quarts that's still left in the kitchen going... Please don't stink. Please don't stink. Please don't stink. Right? And they go to bed on the sixth night and they wake up on the seventh morning and they're just, they go to the, the sky bread jar and they open it up and like it doesn't stink. Right? That would have been crazy. All across every house is having to deal with this. It took trust. Yeah, they had this little bit stored up in a jar, but what if it was ruined like the other days? What if the whole camp wakes up and we ain't got groceries? What are we supposed to do? Listen, this pre-Sabbath Sabbath was centered around the idea that God was providing for his people. God was saying this, you can rest because I am working. You can rest because I am working. I am providing. I am your provider. It's not the ground. It's not the world. It's not the clouds. It's no other thing or being. This bread, this provision is coming to you from me, and it will allow you, and I will allow you to Sabbath. And listen, like A plus B equals C here. Look at Exodus 16:30. Because of the provision, the people rested on the seventh day. You see, the people trusted God's provision, and they were therefore able to rest. Now let's, let's travel a few thousand years to the day. You know, to answer this out loud, why is it that many people in our world today refuse to set aside time or a whole day of rest and worship? from the text, I, I can't draw, I mean, I can draw other conclusions, but I have to ask the question, are you trusting in God's provision? Now, I like math, so let's do some math. If I get paid, if I pay you, okay, let's do this. If I get paid X amount of dollars a day, X, okay, that's not a real number. It stands in for a number. You remember algebra? 
Okay, all right. If you don't, just take a nap for a second. If I get paid X amount of dollars for every day I work, how much money do I have after one day of work? X amount of dollars. Ben, look at you. X, whatever X was, okay? What about after two days? Two X. See, I'm seeing teachers perk up now. They're like, ah, see, he's, he's teaching us something. This is good. Two X, two times what I get paid for day. Now, to test your knowledge here, to test you, what about after five days? Five X. I'll quit there, okay? But five X, I have five times what I make. Now, listen, so what this, the math behind this says, that if I work all seven days in a week, that would be the most amount of money that I can make, right? The answer is yes. It would be 7x. It would be seven times the amount of money I make every day. But the wisdom that we're learning in the Sabbath principle is that in God's power and in God's action in the world, that may not be true. Because God can and does step into the lives of individuals to bless their obedience to him in such a way that less days work and actually go farther. Many of you are testifying, could testify to that idea. This is baked into the Sabbath principle. The only way a human can truly stop and rest is to trust that God is going to provide. At some point, we talked about last week, how do we get to a place where we stop working? How do we get to a place where we feel complete? Now we're seeing this week, it comes from trusting God. It comes from his provision. Trusting that while if I'm going to rest on the seventh day, if I'm going to rest and, be, and, and, and trust God, I've got to trust that he's working for me. You see, God wanted the Israelites to obey him in this. God knew that this was going to be hard uh, for them, but it was also going to be hard for future generations. Remember, this generation, they're about, they're, they're about to go back to the mountain, and God's going to tell them, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And they're going to talk about, what does he mean by that? Oh, the, the bread thing? You remember the bread thing? That's what he means with every day of our life. Let's live as if, let's live on what God provides us, and then let's make sure we have time to rest. And let's, let's trust him in that. But God knew that once we got further from the, 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 the sky bread, once we got further from that, it was going to be harder for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Once we got McDonald's to go to, it's going to be hard, right? So what does God say? God actually tells them, get a jar, fill it up, and I want you to keep that. I want you to keep it so that the next generation, when you're explaining what it looks like to Sabbath to them, show them that jar. In the wilderness, we learn this principle. We learn what it looks like to trust God. And man, I think I just challenge those of us that are in the church today as we talk about this Sabbath principle, we talk about the next, next week, is a lot of things are going to start coming together next week. But as we talk about this, some of you guys have lived this. Some of you are retired now, and you learned this Sabbath, you learned the idea of rest somewhere along the way. You were working, you were working your tail off, working seven days a week, killing yourself, and you said, I'm gonna, I've got to spend time with God, and you dialed it back, and God provided you need to tell your story. 
the next generation, my generation, and the one coming behind need to hear the story. You need to hold your jar up and say, I've lived it. I know that God will provide. I'm going to open this jar up and it ain't going to be stanky. It's still good. God's providing if we'll rest. God is a God of provision. Therefore, rest and keep the Sabbath. And all of this is preparing them. Because listen, if, you, if they can Sabbath in the wilderness, they can Sabbath in the promised land. You hearing me? If we can learn to Sabbath when it's hard, when life is difficult, when the bank account ain't what it wants, what we wish it was, when life is tough, when health issues are around us, when stuff's going on, if we can learn to Sabbath and to rest and to trust in God when those times come, that's the learning process so that when things are good, we've got it. We've, we're in a rhythm. This is what it's teaching us. God's teaching them this in the hardest and darkest places of their life so that when he gets them to the promised land and there's McDonald's everywhere, that they'll still trust in him. It's easier to stop and rest when things are good. We can all take a day off when there's more money in the bank than we know what to do with. When the IRS guy sends you a big old check. It's good. I'm going to take tomorrow off. I'm even going to worship God over that. But to develop rhythms of rest, even when it's bad. Will you trust God's provision during the times of wilderness? There's one more instance where the seventh day comes in, and, and it'll go a lot quicker than the others. But we fast forward. So we, we went to 20, and then we went back to 15 and 16. But now I want to go forward to 24. Chapter 24 of Exodus, Moses, he's received the, the Ten Commandments from God and, and God's given him like 42 more and then he comes down the mountain and uh, they have this essentially like a wedding ceremony, which is kind of creepy for us to think about, but God declared, God, Moses and, and Israel is there with God and God says, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and the Israelites say, we will keep the law. I don't know if they did that, but but they say to God, like, we're going to keep the law, and there's this marriage ceremony that, that, that they're together now, right? And this is the beginning of their relationship with God, and then Moses is invited back up the mountain. Look at verse 12 of 24. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay there so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and commandments I've written for their instruction. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and went up the mountain of God. And he told the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. Aaron and her are here with you. Whoever has a dispute, go to them. And Moses went up the mountain and the cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God called to Moses from the cloud. Listen. Moses is hanging out on the mountain, being obedient, waiting on God to speak. God said, come up and meet with me on the mountain. The first day, 
It's cloudy. No God. No voice. Second day. Nothing. He waits all the way through to day seven. And on the seventh day, God begins to speak. Now, it's reminding us, I believe, of the third principle of the Sabbath that's happening right here. The Sabbath is about being with God. Sabbath is about being with God. A little theology test for you here. Was God present on the mountain on day one? Yeah, he was there. Was he present on day two? Sure. Days three through six? Absolutely. But what was different about the seventh day? On the seventh day, God made himself known to Moses in a clear and distinct way. Listen, this is baked into the Sabbath. This is baked into this. Our culture, our culture is starting to see the need for rest. We're starting to see that. But it's all driven by self-care. It's all driven by self-care. We need to rest because sleep deprivation has been called an epidemic by many experts. That's why the world is beginning to grasp the idea of rest. And maybe that can be considered a byproduct of Sabbath rest. But church, hear me. Sabbath is about much more than loving self. It's about loving God and being with God. Jen Wilkin, uh, she's an author and Bible teacher out in Texas. She wrote an incredible book and some Bible studies and stuff on, uh, on uh, the Ten Commandments. I encourage you to go. I think it's called Ten Words. But uh, this, this is a quote from, uh, from one of those writings. She says, The Sabbath is not merely rest that restores, but rest that reorients. Man, that's why I read her stuff, y'all. She's good. But if you want to read uh, somebody's work on the Ten Commandments, I inc- like above. Uh, there's probably some older stuff you could read, but man, hers is so so good. Uh, Kelly uh, actually found my wife. Uh, there's a 10 uh, day Bible uh, reading plan on the YouVersion app, where it actually has a video each day. She walks through one day per commandment, and she actually walks through those. Um, if you're interested in learning more, she man really goes into the wisdom of those. It's in the the Bible reading plan. I encourage you to check it out, but. But the Bible here, the Bible, what we've read today is teaching us that more than we need a Sabbath to recharge our energy level, we need a Sabbath that gets us alone with God, our creator, God, our rescuer, God, our provider. This is what the Sabbath is about. Listen, any rest that doesn't include dwelling with God or in his word is not Sabbath rest. It's a day off. That's all it is. And so as we've provided these three principles today, like I, I want you to, to, to kind of assess your rest. Because some of you come in and you go, I ain't doing it. I don't need, like, I just, I promise you, it ain't, I ain't doing it. But some of you are like me and you go, no, no, I am resting. Like, I, I'm intentional. And Kenny's full-time with me, and I, I try to go out of my way to make sure that Kenny is resting well. Because I need him. We need him. And I, as your pastor, I know I've got to model this well. And so I try to take time off every week so that I can just rest. But what I'm learning is I'm going through this, which I was not prepared for. I was hoping to tell y'all what rest meant, not for God to speak to me, but that's how he works. 
I'm learning that my rest doesn't always look like it should. I'm taking time off to give myself rest, but I'm not always doing these three things. Is my Sabbath, is my Sabbath happening because of my knowledge of God? Am I, am I seeking to know God in my Sabbath? Is my rest being driven by my ability to trust God? Am I, am I, am I trusting God in my Sabbath? And am I trusting God to be with me in the Sabbath? Am I I opening up his word on my Sabbath? Am I taking time to be with God? You see this. This is not just go take a nap. This is not just take a day off. This is about pursue the God who created you and let him speak to you. More than we need a nap, we need God's presence. This is not a command for and listen like don't hear me don't hear me say today the pastor has said new law here at Lindsay lane east you must sabbath it's not at all i already told you the ten commandments are not law for us they're wisdom for us so this print these principles that i'm laying out for you today are for your good this is not a law for us. This is this, the, the Spirit of God within us should be stirring as we read His Word and as this wisdom jumps off the page at us and the Spirit of God should be urging us to change. We're going to talk about this next week. But there, the uh, w- rest is about trusting God with my finances. It's about trusting God with my family. It's about trusting God with everything that I have. But there's a rest that I'm able to experience that some of you may not be able to experience because you've not yet trusted in the name of Jesus. I can rest. I can take a day off. I can take a nap. I can, I can, I can come to worship. I can do all those things because I know that the work has already been done for my salvation. And I don't have to... If I fail tomorrow... My standing with God remains the same. We're going to talk about all that next week, and I want to go, but it's going to be good next week as we talk about that. But if you've not yet trusted in the name of Jesus, I want to help you with that. We're going to sing one more song. I'm going to be at the back. Uh, If you need to talk to me about salvation, you just need me to pray for you to find rest. You want to come to this altar and just come before God and say, God, help me instill these principles in my life. You want to do that right where you are. You need to... Do whatever you need to do over the next few minutes. But we're going to sing one more song. Let's bow our heads and let me pray. Father God, we thank you. Um, we thank you, God, that uh, that your word gives us such great wisdom, um, God, for what it looks like to rest. And God, I pray um, that God, as the rest of the world is going and going and going and going and staying busy and God, not spending time with you, God, the people of Lindsay Lane East would stand out as different. God, that we're figuring out ways of rest and maybe we can't even... Maybe we can't even set aside a whole day yet, but set aside something. Set aside whatever it looks like. Begin to to be present with you. And God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these really, really old stories that we read today. God, they're still so real and true and awesome and full of wisdom for us. So God, help us to wrestle with this idea of rest today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, let's stand and sing.